then we have to have more data or good stories that are shared that people have access to. Because right now, it's hard to find stories quickly. There's a lot of research being done that's being very well done. But I don't know who sees it. And I don't know what they hear. And I don't know how what the feedback is between how do you get research to action. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Rural Matters, a leading podcast that discusses and explores just about every imaginable topic and issue related to rural education, business, and health. I'm your host, Michelle Rathman, and when I'm not hosting Rural Matters, you can find me speaking around the country on all things related to rural health, including leadership, culture improvement, and of course, uh, most of you know my favorite subject is strategies to improve community stakeholder engagement, and that very much is tied to our critical rural hospital crisis uh, that so many are facing today. So I just want to remind you that you can listen to Rural Matters on any platform that you so choose, but we do appreciate it if you would consider um, subscribing to us, and that way you can get our episodes automatically without even having to worry about a thing. So we want to make sure that you do that, and also please do follow us on Twitter. We really appreciate all our great new followers, and with every new episode, we are seeing hundreds of more downloads, and it's because you you care, and this program matters to you. So I really uh, want to say thank you for that again. So today, uh, we are going to be talking about rural health. And of course, you know, that's a a subject near and dear to my heart. But in particular, we're going to be talking about an organization that has an idea on how to create what they refer to as a healthier we. So uh, keep in mind that this is the year that if if you've been following along with some of the uh, work going on around the Healthy 2020 initiative, this was the year that we were to be seeing these really great, amazing health outcomes as a result of the attention that we pay on uh, population health management and so forth. And so I got to just tell you folks, we're not there yet. Uh, We need to be looking toward healthy people uh, 2040. We have a long way to go. And I think that organizations like the one you're going to hear about today are really doing their part to help us really achieve a a nation of of healthier people and healthier populations. So I want to welcome Phil Polikoff today, uh, who's joined us. He is the founder and CEO of A Healthier We. Now, as I understand it, A Healthier We is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that describes itself as a as uniquely qualified to address the many challenges related to practicing and accessing healthcare in rural areas by offering an inspiring vision of rural cooperation, innovative solutions, and they are committed to leadership for emerging information and health economy. So good morning and welcome, Phil, to Rural Matters. Thank you so very much for having me. And I'm really impressed by what Rural Matters does and what you've been doing. Oh, I appreciate that. So, you know, prior, in addition to uh, Healthier, where you were also a consulting professor at Stanford University uh, School of Medicine. And so that's kind of got to give you a nice little background. You were also a, were you a um, primary care physician prior to your advocacy work? That's correct. My history goes back a little further. I actually majored in rural sociology at Cornell starting my career. Then went into environmental engineering, medicine, and public health, as well as media to try to get people to come together in an integrated manner on issues. Okay. And so how, tell us a little bit of background about A Healthier We. I read somewhere a blog that you wrote, um, and originally I think it was A Healthier I, and somehow that has evolved into A Healthier We. So how did that come about? That's a great question. You almost got it. It was A Healthier Me. Oh, A Healthier uh, Me. And then that became A Healthier We. 
I had had the opportunity at Stanford to put on a several integrated programs. One was in Santa Fe and one was in Yakima. And I realized that the issue is much more complex, much more culturally driven. And I got caught up on the issue of crossing the continental divides, not the unification of the divide, which the railroad did in 1869. The issues of past to future, rural and urban, youth and aged, poor to rich, inequality, social justice, low tech, high tech. And after that, we decided to do um, a summit in western part of the U.S. in Salt Lake City last March. And uh, you can see it on the website, the Healthier Rural West Summit. From there, I realized the problem really was all America. There was a healthier rural America, and I would needed to create a not-for-profit to get sponsorship. And that was the genesis of a healthier we. Mm-hmm. And so the, the original conference, Healthier Rural West, you know, uh, there are, as you know, Phil, we travel in a lot of the same circles. I've been in rural health for the better part of 30 years. And so we've got some really amazing organizations, you know, the National Organization of State Offices of Rural Health and the National Rural Health Association, all of our great hospital associations, state by state. And so I'm taking a look at, you know, the agenda that you have put together. Um, let's kind of get into the to the meat, if you will, the content that you provide um, that is, you know, really helping to move the dial on the goals that we have for this nation of reducing healthcare costs, because of course, you know, uh, we're not getting any healthier and our country is not getting any richer as a result of our poor health. So let's just take a look at some of the content um, that makes Healthier We and the initiative here um, unique. Everyone's got their own niche in this, in this market space, but what makes what you're doing so unique? Well, there's several things. If you don't mind, let me go back to 1948 and the definition of health from the World Health Organization. Health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. So my entire focus is on the word health, not illness or health care. And that brings into a lot of other issues, whether it's housing and uh, technology or transportation and the like. And then I followed the four essential cultural health action areas that were put forth by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which I'm a strong believer in. Mm-hmm. And basically those action areas are creating healthier, more equitable communities, making health a shared value for one and all, fostering cross-sector collaboration to improve well-being, and strengthening the integration of health services and systems. And we brought in case studies from throughout the country. Um, We had quite a few speakers in Salt Lake that came from throughout the rural West that told their stories and where they wanted to go. And then we had initiatives that they proposed that they had to engage in. And we can go into that a little later, but the initiatives really were, whether it was on food, whether it was on oral hygiene, whether it was on uh, training, work shortages, whether treating the young. So our initiative is to make this more than health issues in self critically important and Mm -hmm. going beyond the quadruple aim, better health, better care, lower costs and satisfaction to make it more holistic and broaden the agenda to be the public private uh, integration of entrepreneurship and innovation. So, yeah, it was a fascinating agenda. I like how you broke it out in the tracks, and I'll be curious to talk a little bit later about how 2020 will shape up. But it seemed to me, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed to me that the goal wasn't just to bring people together and hear, which we all do. You know, I'm a speaker. I, I get it. I understand it. My goal has always been that I, I really want people to walk away 
have, with something that they can immediately use um, in in the work that they're doing. That in some way, shape, or form, it just wasn't inspiring, but and actually inspired them to do something different. And I love the idea about collaboration. So I'm curious about. Um, if you've been following some of those who came together um, for your initial uh, summit, and have you been able to see their work kind of play itself out post-session and the impact that they may have made as a result of their, uh, their time together spent at this summit? Well, I would be in all honesty, I think your question is better than my response. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a long continuum. Mm-hmm. I saw some people are doing great stuff and continue doing stuff since, such as what's going on in Montana to dealing with the depression and the suicide rate there amongst their younger people. Great study and great uh, force. In, um, Mex- in New Mexico, I saw what was being done in Cuba, New Mexico, Cuba, New Mexico on health promotion and the promotion of that one. I saw one who had a dream of doing media and going into the communications, into the communities and getting real case stories. I also saw some weaknesses on the initiatives that they weren't well-grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, resources, both in leadership and financial resources, are a real challenge. Um, and the ones who want to take risks, it's all over the map. There are some real great risk takers. Um, I did see a lot of silos uh, from that conference, the silos between academia and the state. I saw sometimes a lack of empowerment of people who are doing hard work for the state but don't have access to the political forces involved. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw, I guess, to be honest with you, Michelle, I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. I saw some real bright spots or bluebirds, phenomenal stories. And then I realized that this exists throughout the entire country. Some people are putting more into agriculture than they're putting into timber and to um, fishing. And then I had a special pleasure. I addressed 4,000 farmers last year in Omaha at the Farmer to Farmer Convention. And they came real clearly to me, Phil, we need help. We're spending too much on health care, $25,000 for a family. We have too much in mental illness, depression, and suicide. We can't get access to help. And our hospitals are closing. Our nursing homes are closing. And we are lacking in identity because of the tariff issue. So I heard a lot of heartwarming stories that even motivated me more. Yeah, I am really pleased to hear you say that because, you know, for all of us out here and one of the things that's been so wonderful about doing this podcast is, you know, we're Robert Wood Johnson Foundation are good friends of ours. And I am with you a hundred thousand percent just with respect to paint, you know, really painting the, the real big picture about all the pieces that need to come together and collaboration being key. So I want to take a look um, really quickly at kind of some of the things that you're looking at for the 2020 event. Maybe we can talk about that on the other side of this. So as I understand it, you are looking at, um, you know, kind of these really core issues we have, which is, first of all, addressing the social determinants to improve health. We'll talk about that in a moment. Using urban planning and policy to create healthier, equitable communities. I think that is such an important subject for us to dive into um, in, you know, in depth, really, not just in this episode, but somewhere else, because we are seeing that you know, where there's one rural community, you've seen one. However, for us to believe for one moment that we can't learn something from other settings, you know, and right size it to a rural space, I think is really interesting. 
you know, also, of course, talking about telehealth last week on this uh, or last episode, we talked about real broadband. So, of course, if we're going to be um, innovating in the area of telehealth, we've got to have connectivity there. Um, and then, of course, you're also talking about um, getting organized hope and opportunities for rural health systems, improving mental and behavioral health in rural America. Um, I think to your point about working with farmers, uh, creating a foundation for suicide prevention is so important for us to be uh, talking about and more than that, doing something about and then finally um, developing a stronger rural healthcare workforce. And that's something that I, I'll be talking about um, a lot coming up here at the Policy Institute, because to your point, if we don't look at all of these things, I mean, healthcare is you know, really, it's a transaction um, in, in most people's mind. It's their interaction with their healthcare provider. Um, you see them, you pay the bill, and it's kind of transactional. But the things that you're talking about are just, I mean, they are the foundation for how healthcare can happen. Would you agree? Well, more than agree. I actually see myself talking with you on the road sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the copy is right on target. I would say a couple of things. One, and I'm sharing this with your audience because it hasn't been shared publicly. We're going to launch a compendium shortly, and we're calling it Reinventing a Healthier Rural America. Policies, politics, practicalities. Hmm. Um, because I think those three have to, and I like the alliteration of the three Ps. We're going to include. Repeat those for me again. I'm going to write those down. So it's policy. Policies, politics, practicalities. Mm-hmm. So we really have to go down a little deeper than what I've seen and share with what has worked, what hasn't, lessons learned, best practices, and make sure some of the speakers are the people who have been served, not just the people who think they're servicing the people. So I want to hear real case studies about the person who has a mental illness who's found a way to cope with it, a person who has isolation, which is one of the major conditions in rural America. People are feeling lonely. Where is the innovation and entrepreneurship? How's that going? And I use three words that I want to share also with you to go into this. I want to go into this with spirit, hope, and triumph. Um, so I'm a I'm believer in motivating on the good side. I hear too much on the negative side now. And how do you get people more engaged so they feel that they're part of the solutions? And we don't have to spend all our time talking about the problems. We know the problems. But we have to find out. And how do you integrate all the stories so the people in New Mexico know what's happening in Appalachia, which knows what's happening in the state of Washington. doesn't matter. Those stories tend to stay in their own uh, silo. So that's the challenge that we're trying to bring people together. One other last point, our big summit in Omaha, we chose Omaha because we thought it was the center of the, the U.S. geographically, location. So the Southeast, the Northeast, the West, the uh, Midwest could all come there. And this is bipartisan and national. It's not political. It's not a red and blue conference. We're going to invite everyone. And I wouldn't be at all surprised. I might be a little optimistic that the two candidates running for president will either be on stage or I'll have their. Oh, you heard it here first. We're going to take a quick break. You heard it here first. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that one. Uh, So stick with us for just a moment, because I really do want to make sure, you know, these conversations can happen um, just because we will them too. So we are so incredibly appreciative for those who make it their choice to support us through sponsorship. So I would like to acknowledge the Foundation for Rural Service or FRS 
who works in cooperation with NTCA, the Rural Broadband Association, and its members to sustain and enhance the quality of life for rural America through a generous community grant, scholarships for students entering college or technical school, a summer learning experience in Washington, D. for high school students, nonpartisan issue-based white papers, and other educational programs, FRS focuses on educating rural youth, encouraging community development, and introducing policymakers to challenge unique for the challenges unique to rural communities. So we're again really appreciative for FRS. And if you didn't listen to my conversation with that amazing organization, please go back to your just the previous episode before this and have a listen. All right, so we're going to get back to our discussion here, and we were talking about an organization called a Healthier We, and kind of their very big, bold, impressive um, ideas for how to, you know, not just take a crack at this thing we call rural and health, but to really make some, you know, strides in improving the way that we collaborate. So let's talk a little bit about the summit. You were saying the 2020 summit is in Omaha. And just give us a sense of um, the kind of attendees that one would expect to run into at at a summit such as this. Well, thank you for the question. It's going to be defined over time, but we're making this uh, open to one and all. It's not just for government uh, players. It's not just for academics. It's for people in the community who feel they have a need. So the people in Nebraska have already stepped up. The Office of Rural Health is involved in this. The uh, former uh, uh, Rural Health Association is involved in this already. Um, the universities involved in this. So we're trying to bring everyone. And nationally, we want people from the local, the state, and the national level who are playing out on this, whether it's the Federal Office of Rural Health, whether it's uh, the National Rural Health Association, whether it's the American Cancer Society, the American Public Health Association. So it's for one and all. We do have a limit on how many people could attend, approximately 500. Um, we're doing it at the major convention center in Omaha, which is the CHI Health Center, which is the center. And we have a dream. Everyone has dreams. Omaha is known as the capital for the NCAA uh, baseball championship each year. So we see this, if all goes well, that a healthier rural America will be the World We Series on a yearly basis. And then there will be regional programs where all people feel that they have a role and can be heard. And I'm a great believer that listen before you talk. So we want people to listen and feel that they can network and take bullets home with them, feel empowered, and have a resource to come back to for more help working with all these other organizations, because this is not just a Healthier We uh, program. Hopefully, many, many organizations feel that they are either supporters or partners there. So, And we're going into the business sector, too. Uh, already, it's fair to say that Intermountain Health is sponsoring this, as well as Bank of New York Mellon and others, Farmers Business so, so we're I, really I mean, in having all players. I, I would say that, you know, and, and it's for those of us who work in this space, I, I want to reiterate that um, a, a lot of the, the work that we do on this podcast is really to help understand the intersection between education, business and health, economies, policies, the things that you're talking about, you know, how how does um where you live, how does dwelling have, have to do with your health and the food deserts and so forth. And so what I'd like to see, and it looks like that, um, I can see that a little bit on the agenda, some of the proposed agenda, that um, the things that you are talking about and the leaders and the 
the thought leaders, I, I should say, there's a lot of people who, who speak about it, but are they really being able to put their ideas into practice that they are really looking at just this amazingly broad spectrum of issues. Like, for example, when we talk about um, natural disasters, there's a lot of great work going on uh, with with uh, not-for-profit organizations and government agencies that are really helping families work to recover after a natural disaster. And I see that you have something on your agenda um, that has to do with living with natural disasters and, and working across that the all sectors to enhance the health and safety and ecological resistance. I wonder, you know, in your long medical career, did you has this always been kind of your own practice philosophy to make sure that that it's not just what you know personally of your own body, but you really go outside yourself and understand all the in, all the things that can influence the way somebody um, achieves a high level of, of health? I can think about the time that you came up in practicing. Has, have you always been an innovative thinker, I guess is my long way of asking it, or is this something that you have kind of grown into as you've seen this industry evolve? Well, no, I think I started in the 60s in Detroit with the race riots and worked in the emergency room, worked in San Francisco General in the emergency room during the hmm. summer of love, uh, traveled all over the world, was in Chile, unfortunately, when Salvador Allende was assassinated. I was a U.S. diplomat and on and on and on. So it's not shortage of seeing pain. Uh, recently, we were in Siberia and saw the pain there, Colombia, the politics there. It doesn't matter where. In the West, we see uh, in California, where I reside, we were part of the fire last year up in Paradise and the problems there. So it's not a new issue for me. Mm -hmm. And I've and I also had the opportunity of being shortlisted to be U.S. Surgeon General under the previous administration and heard the stories as I traveled the country. So in the South and Mississippi, saw the incredible problems with nutrition and obesity. Um, so there's no place that is totally a shining star, Michelle. And you've seen as much as I've seen and you've felt the pain. So it's the passion now coming down the shorter, shorter period of my life that I really will have the belief that you can bring people together and everyone has an equal word and we can do this with a spirit that we can accomplish more than we've had. We've spent money in this space. There's some success stories, but I see a lot of pain in the state of Montana where I spent a lot of time that just not answering a lot of the major understructure issues, mm, in especially mental yes. health. Right, right. So, so we, we got to step up a little bit. And I guess, you know, it's all of us. It's not one of us. And that's why I'm challenged by what you're doing. I think you're doing a great job in articulating the issues extremely well. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I also appreciate learning about new, you know, potential resources because there's just, we, we want to hear about the folks who are, you know, coming in and I would imagine eager to share their perspective um, because it just seems like there's just such a wealth. It's like a smorgasbord of topics that people, yeah. uh, you know, can, can, uh, pick and choose from, and I'm sure it's going to be just a wonderful event. So let me talk a little bit um, to you about how, and you know, you have these summits. I want to understand what's been happening from, you know, within your organization. What's the vision from what happens from year to year? Because, you know, we know I used to be in the event business. You sometimes like with National Royal Health Day, you, you celebrate putting it away. And then a few weeks later, you're back up and running it again. So, what are some of the things that you have in mind uh, with your organization, the work that you might do, 
uh, in between these summits, which are very large undertakings. Are are there any plans to expand beyond um, more of the uh, event-driven? Well, your questions are bingo. The question is, are you open to being hired to put on some of this with us? (laughs) You got the questions there. Uh, The answers are not, I can tell you what we hope to do, okay? Mm -hmm. So within two weeks, we got a website going up on the Healthier Rural America. We'll have a compendium on there. We'll have this podcast posted on there. We're sharing information with people before we go. We'll be doing a lot of social media before the event so people feel, and they can be heard doing that. We will put on the event, and it will be interactive, and it will be videoed for the speakers who are there. So they have that. They can take home and have other people see it and download it. From there, our hope is to, and you're absolutely correct about events, and I can tell you, you can put on a gigantic event, work extremely hard with a lot of passion, and it sometimes goes into a bit of a quiet zone afterwards. And I'm not looking for an event that you you show up and you walk away. Um, Then I think there's a need for regionalization of these events, working with other groups, whether it's in the southeast, the northeast, because I think each one has their own little culture, which is a little different than the national scene. I'd like to take this so uh, there's a political agenda that's clearly heard during the election. That's why we chose September. Uh, This podcast is not a political uh, pitch. It's more that all people have to be in this game and all people have to be heard, regardless of what their positions are. Uh, And then we have to have more data or good stories that are shared that people have access to. Because right now, it's hard to find stories quickly. There's a lot of research being done that's being very well done, whether in the Duluth or the University of Chicago or whatever else. But I don't know who sees it, and I don't know what they hear, and I don't know how, what the feedback is between how do you get research to action. And the same thing I would say with academia. How do you deal this with – so it has to be more than just money and data. It has to be interaction, communication. And what I would call – and I, I will leave it the five critical steps. You have to convene people. You have to connect people. You have to communicate in a way that all people are heard. You have to collaborate, and most of all, without turning back, you have to commit. So it can't be just words. Words do matter, rural matters, but it's this ongoing persistence and commitment to change. Yeah, I appreciate that. We'll end it with there because, you know, I asked each guest, and I'll ask you this before we close out, you know, um, I came by rural. I was reading an article the other day about uh, that in the Daily Yonder about uh, corporate farming and and, you know, it's really disturbing. I, my family had a farm up in Minnesota, and I, I spent many a year uh, uh, up in Minnesota being chewed up by mosquitoes in the summertime. As we all know, that was the state bird back then. I'm not sure if it still is now, but I just think about how the landscape of rural has changed since what I remember it being in my childhood. And so rural matters to me for so many reasons. Not only is it where my family is from, it's where I have immersed myself for the last 30 years. And for people who have lived in rural and have come back home again and so forth, we all have a really impassioned answer about why rural matters to us. And so I'm going to ask you uh, why rural matters to you. And more importantly, why should rural, rural America and what's happening in rural America matter to everyone, regardless of their zip code? Well, to bring it home to you, I spent some of my summers in Butterfield, Minnesota. <laughs> I don't know where that is, but sounds nice. Yeah. That's southern Minnesota, and that's okay. with the threshing bees and agriculture there. So it started uh, in that state. 
The passion for me is that we have a great history in rural America. A lot of the innovation in this country came from um, rural America, whether it's the, the Wilbur brothers and the inventing the Wright brothers in the airplane or John Deere and the tractors. And all. So, so much of the spirit of America came from rural America. It's 60 million people who still reside there, but they're shifting more and more into the urban space. So there's a sense of what is rural and where will rural be in 2050? So I think we have to answer that. That's more than rural health. It's really what do we get out of this? And it's so much of the beauty and the culture of this society. We have to spend more attention on the Native Americans and all the high percentage of veterans who live in rural America and are not being looked after well enough. So there's a, there's a need there. And rather than talking about the problems, there are ways we can solve it. There, is, there are resources available. There is economics there. There are ranches there. So I just think there's an opportunity to get more people involved who haven't been involved. Those are the people who reside there currently have to step up with a little bit more sense of urgency and action. And those who use it rather than just for destination resorts, whether it be Sun Valley or Jackson Hole or Aspen, have to contribute back into the communities where they're at. Well, that's a that's a great, great way to end it. Thank you so much, Phil Polikoff. I wish you all the best with the summit. I know that we'll be in touch and we'll be watching um, for all the developments that come. At this point, I really do want to acknowledge and thank our Rural Matters marketing partners. They make this podcast a possible for us to come to you each time. So that is the Center for Rural Affairs, Community Hospital Corporation, Foundation for Rural Service, the Journal of Research and Rural Education, Learning Blade, NTCA, the Rural Broadband Association, the National Education Association, the National Rural Health Association, and Ohio Small and Rural Collaborative, and AASA, that's the School Superintendents Association, and the National Rural Assembly. Again, these partnering organizations help Rural Matters to be an even more powerful forum for the discussion of issues affecting rural communities today. Now, if you would like more information on the podcast, if you have a rural issue or a guest or a topic you'd like for us to cover, just email us at podcasttoday at gmail.com. That's podcast, the number two day at gmail.com. Of course, we appreciate it if you would rate this podcast on iTunes and, of course, tell your friends and colleagues about it. Rural Matters is produced by Michael Levin Epstein and Elena Ballant. Really appreciative for all their work and support and collaboration. I want to thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again next time on Rural Matters. 